Hello and welcome to Season 4 of the Believe in Overwatch League Podcast from the Believe Podcast Network. We are Matt and Kevin, and each week we're bringing you news about gaming, pop culture, and of course, Overwatch. This week we talk about BMW, Special Editions, and Overwatch 2. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Overwatch episode of this Overwatch podcast, the Believe in Overwatch League podcast, which we will actually be covering Overwatch and Overwatch League this week after I was very lazy to do things in the last week. Um, Kevin, how has your life been regarding gaming? Uh, It's been pretty good. Just uh, staying on top and playing a variety of games, essentially. Uh, as the uh, esports summer camp constantly keeps me on my toes in terms of like what games I have to play, uh, I've had a lot of time to just sit down and play any one particular game. It's more mm-hmm. of like I have to like constantly be switching and figuring out like oh what can I play and like what am I teaching today? And uh, I mean, you you would think that it would be like boring, but it's it's kind of fun to go back to some of these like really weird. Uh, some of these older games just to see like how well they uh just 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 to see like how well these kids kind of adapt and like kind of respond to these kinds of games so it's not just like mm-hmm. it's it's cool just because it's cool but there's also like um like how, how do how do kids respond to dive kick like how do you tell them like yo we're playing a fighting game that only has two buttons there's only jump and a kick. Okay, that's it. That's those are the only only things. And they're like, why why would I why would I ever play this? I'm like, there's so much that you can do with just two buttons. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, so like you, you teach them that, and then I'm like, okay, so what did what did you guys learn? It's like some moves have a wider window and opportunity to do things, um, like. For example, if you like use a heavy kick in a fighting game, there's like if you whiff completely, like if you miss, there is so much time to like punish that move. And it's the same thing in dive kick. Like you can jump straight up all you want, but the second that you kick, you're kind of locked in the animation of going forward. And so it's a matter of like players figuring out like, okay, well, if I kick the ground first, I can back up and then I can find certain openings x y and z like even though it is is two buttons it's only two buttons it's still a lot that uh that it takes and it's there's there's just a lot that goes on in it what has your favorite game been to teach so far and what do you think like overall the student's favorite game to learn is oh okay so hmm that, that is a good question um i have to I have to look through the uh, the things right now. I think I think the funnest one because like day one is kind of like a slower day. Um, it's really fun to teach them super auto pets because <laughs> like the like the, this game is super super simple, right? Like you you just have animals and they like they do certain things and then it like leads into other things. It's a very simple auto battler essentially. You let them like learn the ways of how this auto battler performs, right? And then they're like they get interested in it and they're like okay well these things do this and then like by the time that like lunch rolls around especially on the first day um like they're like hey i found this combo and i've been using it a lot it's like 
And I'm like, okay, what is it? And it's like, oh, well, like, you use the horse. You get, like, this animal that, that summons more. And I'm like, yes. And then try to put a shark at the end and tell me what how that goes. And they're like, oh, I didn't think of the shark. Or, like, you know, so on and so forth. So, essentially, it just gets them talking about, like, essentially a game where all the art is just, like, slightly better emojis. Um, you, you think that, like, they would only want the high-end stuff but like sometimes a very simple game like super auto pets is just enough to get them get them hooked um but that that is it for the most part like other other games it's more of just like if the kid is in tune with it um rather than it just being like uh like we're kind of forcing this on you uh you play this because th- this is our theme for today um I feel like every like between the two instructors, between me and the other instructor, we have a very good pool of like games that we could pull from. So it's it's just really cool to like alternate some days and just be like, okay, well, like for example, like my other instructor is really good at Smite and he plays a lot of Smite, and that's just an alternate version of like a, a traditional MOBA. And I play more traditional MOBA, so like I played a uh-huh. little bit of League of Legends and I played like Dota two. Um, so it's just cool to like mix it up on them every once in a while. But by far favorite one to teach super auto pets, just because like they are, they get excited about it. It's free to play and uh, it's, it's online and it's also on the phone. So uh, yeah, it just makes it easier for, for everybody there. Uh, what about you, Matt? How's your week? How's everything going on your end? Um, I've done pretty much no gaming in the past week just because I've been really tired and really busy. I've been trying to catch up on Stranger Things because my siblings have both watched and or started watching. And it's like, gosh, dang it. I don't want to be behind. Um, mm-hmm. So I did that. I'm starting on that. I think I'm on episode three now. Um, I need to finish the la- I need to watch the last episode of Miss Marvel because I really like that show. I think it is my favorite Marvel show to date. Um, I think it's better. Th- it's better than Obi Wan, definitely in my book. It's better than um, Book of Boba Fett in my book. Um, let's see. I think it was. I liked WandaVision. I thought that was good. I didn't really like mm-hmm. Loki. I thought. Mm. Um, I have mi- very mixed feelings about uh, what's it called, um, Ca- Falcon Winter Soldier. I did actually like Hawkeye a lot more than I thought. Yeah. Um, but I think I think that there are things that they could have done better with Hawkeye, but I think it was better than some of the others. But I think Miss Marvel, and I was talking about this with people in the work chat today, is I think Miss Marvel, what it does well is that they actually cared. I feel like it's a lot more authentic because they're not just relying upon like the goodwill towards the characters that was built up over one, just being more well-known properties into like being built up on the other movies. I felt like since they're building this character from the ground up, they had to try harder because they had to give people a reason to care about her and watch the show. And also like the fact that it, it incorporates um, her, her Muslim culture and her Pakistani heritage and her, her Indian family. Um, I think she's Pakistani, right? Not Indian. Yeah. Okay. Not India. Right. I think, yeah, not was, India. Was her family from India moved to Pakistan, or am I thinking of a different movie? Might be a different movie. Okay, so her Pakistani heritage and her her Mus- her Muslim religion, I think, because the, the it's such a central part to the show, 
and a lot of the people who work on the show are um, and like the actors are are of that heritage um it makes it so that it feels a lot more authentic oh yeah moon knight i thought moonlight had a lot of potential moonlight had moon knight not moonlight moon knight had a lot of potential um but i feel like it kind of fell flat especially like watching it now it's like uh whenever they they could have shown like a fun action sequence they just like oh had him black out so yeah that, that was a cheap like that was a cheap way to do it go about it but it worked <laughs> i mean i guess it worked but you could have done more with that show but yeah, I, we gotta, I we really, gotta see more i really enjoy miss marvel i i want it to have more seasons and to do well and i really i really like the actors in the show i think they're very convincing and a lot of fun um i think it's a shame that the show got a little bit overshadowed by obi-wan when i think obi-wan was a a very um flaccid show it didn't really do a lot didn't really say a lot the best thing about it was young leia uh yeah leia leia was great in obi-wan and the uh the hello there making a return just like uh, yeah <laughs> you, you didn't you didn't need that but all right cool thanks Uh, I was going to say something else. Oh, well, anyway, that's been my week. So let's get into the overwatchy part of this week's episodes. So um, <laughs> part of the course with the uh, the last episode we did with in this week, the uh, the news episode, which you haven't watched, um, please not watched. You can't watch it. It's only audio. Um, please take a listen to that one. Um, but part of the course of this um we are starting with a little bit of a bummer train hooray bummer train um so normally in in the past of overwatch when there was a uh an actual physical tournament like in the past couple of years like the uh the what is the hawaii tournament's been called they've just been like the tournaments in hawaii like right? the cups like yeah they're like the well, countdown cups the... yeah they get like mid-season tournaments i guess it's just like kind of what it is yeah so normally when they've been flying people out to hawaii like that's been covered by the league as is kind of the expectation right like if there's a tournament that is required to be physical you would as the league pay to have those teams go there right that makes sense mm-hmm um, so apparently that is that is not happening for the midseason madness tournament. Um for for whatever reason, the league has decided that teams on the in the Western Division, the North American division, are going to have to pay their own way to get to Hawaii. Um this year the league is only covering the hotel costs for competitive staff. Um, so any members of the, the content team management, whatever, have to pay for their own accommodations there, which means that the league is not paying for transportation, um, doesn't look like they're paying for food, anything. So according to Dexerto, that puts the overall cost in a six-figure ballpark just to attend the midseason madness event. And teams are... They're not happy in the least. And why should they be? Um, so according to Alex Rubens from the LA Gladiators put on a Twitter thread, um, 
this is this is a bit of a long thread, but I'm going to read it because I think it gives important context. Um, I'm excited to see the LA Gladiators perform at the mid-season event in Hawaii, but the league's approach deserves all current scrutiny and is absolutely unacceptable. First, West teams must travel to Hawaii at their own cost on just days of slash weeks notice during the height of summer travel. For most teams, this means they must place T1 through 3 overall to not lose money attending and are not allowed to practice during travel days. Once in Hawaii, they're staying in the biggest tourist destination in Hawaii for a COVID event. You'd think this, that'd mean players would practice more, right? Instead, the league is regulating the limited practice slots well below what's normally expected for international event practice. In response to complaints about limited practice time, uh, practice space and time, the league instituted a gameplay allotment for the first time ever. If you go past this limited allotment, including any outside non-VOD preparation, you are subject to unspecified disciplinary action. At every other event, we've been able to practice and train outside of PPAs. This is purely punitive to not have to fix their current plan. Meanwhile, East teams are able to practice and compete from the comfort of their facilities. The league's response was that teams in the East have to wake up early to play, so, quote, it's roughly equal. Missing scrum blocks flying across the ocean, we have the shortest flight at 5.5 to 6 hours. No practice on travel days no matter when you land. Limited practice blocks during the event. Threats of punishment for preparing too much versus waking up early. To be clear, this is not the East team's fault either. It's ABE for forcing a flawed plan. This is not the league staff. They're great and just working with what they're given. It's leadership purposefully making these decisions. When Riot can bring together every team from around the world with no issue, you wonder why Owl can't. For the biggest tournament in Owl history, it's frankly unacceptable, and COVID cannot be an excuse when you've had three years to adapt and everyone else has. ABE's reluctance to fix this situation is worrying. So yeah, I, I mean, yeah, very, very true though. Like, it, you shouldn't punish teams for trying to play their best, and it shouldn't matter um, if if they're training more. It, it shouldn't matter to anybody. Like, let them train. They want to play. And that's only going to get them to get better. Like, this is the same thing. Like, I've in my head, like, I, I listen to a lot of sports radio just like in, in the car. And this reminds me of what Adam Silver is trying to push with like a midseason tournament for the NBA. And mm -hmm. it's like, there's no incentive for players to take this. Like, uh -huh. not, not is, it's not just like, oh, well, they're playing for money. Cool. Um, and like, there's no other like part of that deal that makes it better for them to take it. You know, um, yeah, it, it feels like they're just not just running the same like, like what incentive are you giving like certain players or certain teams to fly out to to Hawaii at this point, right? Like. Let's say hypothetically, like, uh, let let's just say if like the Vancouver Titans somehow like get there, right? Uh, they have to now spend money. They they have to spend their company money to go out and play a tournament that mm -hmm. they might not even win, right? And it costs them money to go. And it costs them money to go. So what is just gonna what is gonna stop teams from just straight up saying we're not showing up? 
Like, right. for real. Like, they could just be like, midsummer tournament, whatever. It doesn't matter because, like, our standings are going to reset by by the end of the end of the week anyways right so why mm. would we why would we play this like what is the point of saying like oh okay well we secured this x y or z if it has no like post game like it, it has no repercussions there's no like there's there's nothing no incentive for the, for the teams or for the uh for even the players to even like take a shot at it you know yeah yeah definitely and it's like if the league is is having such problems like getting people to want to stay in and and investors to stay and to like make payments and like they can't even they can't even pay for the teams to fly out and cover that like how are you going to continue this health of this league this is extremely worrying because one it, it it shows maybe that you are in financial desperate straits Two, it's shows that you're not willing to make accommodations or you're not willing to help out your your teams and their players and their staff three it's like it it just it doesn't give it, it makes the players not want to do things it's showing unfair treatment to different sides of the league it's just it's it's making every problem that the league has worse and it's showing that compared to other esports that the Overwatch League is not something that is worth investing in. And how are you going to continue this if... if like how is the league going to survive if this is your approach? Like People are, are going to want to leave and, and do Valorant and other sports. Yeah, it, there is no incentive to take these. Um, and I hate to say it, but like you need a way for people to want to play your game. Uh, and, and to not only say like, Hey, like you have to pay your own way to get here. You're not giving them any sort of like reason to be there. Um, yeah, like there is nothing stopping them from just being like, Hey, uh, like we're not, we're just not going to show up. Like, like you can just not show up and it won't hurt them in any way, shape or form. They'll just be like, whatever, like. I mean, there is no reason to do the it. League, but like they were going to lose this money anyway by traveling. Exactly. Like they were like, yeah. And for a tournament that they might not even win, if, if anything, like there's no consolation. So there's really no reason to like try to do that. I mean, there's teams that are, are definitely in this competition that know they're not going to win. Right. Exactly. So. Why? Why would they even go? I'm. Just, I can't wrap my head around the fact that like they're going to this thing still. Like, let's, yeah, just, it, look, it, let's just look at the the bracket really quickly. Well, while I bring it yeah. up, like, Kevin, finish your thought. Yeah, it, it's just weird. Like, why would you hold a tournament? And first of all, not give incentives, but also like not cover the travel or cover anything to get the team there. Right. There's there's a lot of teams that need to, you know, that want to be there. It's just it shouldn't you shouldn't punish a team for doing good. Like Mm -hmm. you, you shouldn't have to pay as a team 
for you you shouldn't have to pay for winning right like, um all the other teams that don't qualify for this are making more money than any team that goes out and loses at this tournament and it just makes no sense like everything that they're getting out of here is literally like chump change What do you think about like the the limiting the practice time and like penalizing with an unspecified consequence? The, uh, first of all, uh, make t- tell me what the consequence is. Like, if it's player cannot play in tournament, people won't do it. But also, like at the same time, it's still like, why? Right? Like, mm-hmm. why are you? Why are you pushing? this restriction onto us when we can like you're punishing teams for doing what they're trained to do and that still doesn't make sense to me it's i mean i i get that there's difficulties in getting equal practice times sometimes but like it just it feels weird when you're like what else are they gonna do when they're in Hawaii besides like oh well, maybe they can go to like tourist things, but they're there to play. They're there to train, they're there to win. Yeah. And when you it's, take that away from them, it's like why aren't what reason do they have to go if they can't practice? They have to pay to get there, they might not win, they're gonna lose money. They're, this whole tournament, like and it's being touted again by the Overwatch League as the biggest Overwatch League tournament ever. It doesn't seem like a tournament that I would want to go to. Yeah, it, it just feels weird. Like, we we shouldn't have to play. People will not play in a tournament if there is no, like, incentive to do so. Right? And this is the exact, like picture of that people are not going to want to play if they don't get anything out of it and i feel like why would i why at me as an executive in my right mind would i spend so much money to only to not to potentially not even win the tournament like there's no reason for me to even try to do that right it's like they're trying to kill the league it honestly feels like it. Like there's, there's just not a way to win invest, win investor confidence, um, and like, it it somehow feels like this is just intentional sabotage or incompetence from the inside. I don't know. I do not know, but if the Overwatch League wants to continue to be competitive in the world of esports and wants to be an environment that players will want to grow and audiences will want to support. Like this cannot be the answer. This cannot be the solution. Like I, maybe the league is hurting for money. Maybe COVID did that to the league and they've not really been able to, uh, to, to, to bounce back since, but punishing the people who are keeping the league alive is not the way to do it. You got to find another way to cut costs. You got to find another way to save money. You got to find another way to increase revenue. This is not it. 
Um, so yeah, so I mean, like I, I said, I'd, I'd say what the, uh, the bracket is right now, but, um, okay. So starting on next week is off because this is the travel week where they can't do anything. Um, but starting on the 18th. Okay. So the bottom teams that are fighting for their spots in the league are the Atlanta rain versus the spitfire, the mayhem versus the outlaws, the defiant versus the dragons, the fusion versus the spark. Um, the top teams that don't really have to worry about that right now are the shock, the fuel, the gladiators and the dynasty and whoever wins these bottom matches is going to have to face those teams. Um, I don't know. It's like, I feel like teams like the spitfire shouldn't even show up because at, at this point, like, yes, they made it here, and yes, it's a good representation for their team, which has struggled in the past, but it's like, do you really think you're going to, at this point, beat the San Francisco Shock? Like, you're paying money to potentially just get your butts whooped by the Shock or the Gladiators. Like, doesn't make a whole lot of sense, guys. Yeah, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense for, like, teams to even really invest in this it's more it just makes no sense really <sighs> um yeah anyway let's move on to the other league stuff that we have um so we have some updates that are incoming for the um after the beta so looking at the the beta obviously um, if you're experienced with video games, what the beta is for, it's for internal testing. Um, the game's gone through alpha, they've gotten it to work, and they've fixed most of the bugs. So now they've released a working version of the game to the public to kind of get feedback and testing, see what's working, see what's not, see what tweaks still need to be made that maybe they didn't realize when they were testing it internally. Um, and just trying to get the game to the point where it's it's ready to go live and ready for everybody to play. So based on things that they have seen so far in the beta, um, they're going to do a couple of changes to um, Mercy, to Symmetra, and to Junker Queen. Um, and I do think Junker Queen does need a, lot of, a little bit of tweaking. Um, so for Mercy, Guardian Angel gives Mercy important mobility that is key to her survivability. Um, over time, players learn that if you jump during the ability at a specific time, you launch Mercy up into the air. And this was the super jump, which initially wasn't an intentional thing, which they now turned it into a feature. Um, so the changes for Mercy in this beta were made were meant to make the super jump more reliable and consistent. We saw some issues with the implementation of this latest version through the week, first week of the beta. So we'll be changing up the ability in the mid-cycle patch. Our goal with the next change is to give players even more control over Guardian Angel while also increasing its flexibility. And the, co the complaints were that after Blizzard patched it in to make it an ability, it became really uncontrollable and players couldn't use it like they wanted to or when it was just a bug. So they wanted Blizzard to revert it back to what it was. Um, after this patch, Guardian Angel will not automatically launch Mercy in the air, but will now have... Uh, a meter that charges while the ability is active when canceling guardian angel with jump mercy will now be launched in the direction she's facing uh the more charge she gets during the ability the more momentum the launch has when she cancels it with jump we're looking forward to seeing how the community 
engages with this ability in the beta to get Mercy ready for the Overwatch 2 launch. Um, one of the funny things that has come through the uh, the beta is um, also like the bounce ability with Mercy. Like there's a specific way where you can rapidly move her up and down like a bounce that makes her a lot harder to hit. Um, and I don't. I wonder if that is going to be updated or patched when this comes to this um, this new Mercy change. Um, so for Symmetra, we recognized in the first beta that Symmetra didn't quite fit the play space Overwatch 2's changes were defining. Faster paces, more engagement, less barriers. There are fewer tanks that Symmetra can use to charge up, and the removal of two, P- two CP maps makes a definitive a defensive stage uh, takes away a defensive stage that she previously shined on. Um, we expected the change to Symmetra's teleporter and secondary fire projectile speed to be the primary solutions, but we were overshadowed with these other nerfs. One of the nerfs was no longer gaining ammo from barriers, which we removed to put power back into her ammo capacity, since barriers are much less prevalent. Our reasoning for some of the other nerfs was that Symmetra is already a statistically strong hero, and we feared these changes alone would push her over the edge. That said, one of the benefits of the beta is we can make changes and iterations prior to launch. We're currently trying out the following changes so the se- in their internal tests. Um, the secondary fire projectile is increased in size from 0.4 to 0.5. Secondary fire charge is reduced from 1.2 back to one second. And the teleporter cooldown is reduced from 16 to 12 seconds. Um, Yeah. So, and they have other um, changes in mind that they're testing internally that they aren't revealing yet. Um, And then for Junker Queen uh, over the past week, we've seen uh, tank Q surge with the release of Junker Queen also because you only have one tank. So you went from four people playing tank per match to only two people playing tank per match. You th- really, th- you think that's going to increase your, your queue time blizzard, even without Junker Queen and people wanting to play her. How did you not think that this was going to increase queue time? Um, it's kind of just shows that you didn't really think of things through. Um, with this, while this is generally something we expect when we release a new hero, we've been encouraged to see queue times improve even and even out somewhat already. Our initial thoughts on her gameplay is that she fits well into the more offensive aggressive playstyle in overwatch 2 we fixed her bugs in the upcoming mid-cycle patch but she's still early in testing we're going to continue to watch how she performs in the beta to prepare for our launch um they're also going to test some changes to zenyatta and sojourn who may need to be tuned down prior to launch we like the direction of roadhog's ultimate change in the beta and we're now working on it to make feel more intuitive and polished um they also have an upcoming or I don't know if it's been patched. Yeah, it's been patched through yet, right, Kevin? The Moira and Mercy change. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's for sure in there. Okay, we'll talk about that next. But like, what do you think about the what they've said about these updates? Like fixing Mercy's super jump, making Sim stronger, um, and then tweaking Junker Queen, Sojourn, and Zen. Uh, I do agree with the the Junker Queen stuff. She is a little overtuned, just a little bit, kind of overlapping with a lot of the other characters already um i feel like that that makes sense uh the symmetra thing makes sense as well because there is a lack of shield there's no reason to have like characters that like punish the little shield that is left um but also just like making it like giving symmetra kind of an identity rather than just being like oh she's like anti-wall or whatever um as for the mercy thing it feels kind of weird like they they pretty much like we're like we're gonna try this and then we're gonna take some things away we're gonna hope that it works but 
Um, I feel like if you were a Mercy player and you were actually like practicing this like skip jump or this uh, or the super jump, it feels like it feels like when fighting games make everything a one button combo. It's like I tried so hard to like learn this whole string, and then there's just some person out there that mm-hmm. just gets to press the space button or space bar, whatever <laughs> they want, and it works. Right? It's like I I spent so much time trying to get this down, and like all my work is for nothing. Mm-hmm. I just as as a shield tank, I've never liked going up against Symmetras. I think that they at some points they made her too strong. Um and, and just very oppressive. I, I just never liked playing against Symmetras. Um one of the reasons why I will ne- I don't play Symmetras, I just I think she's an unfair character to play sometimes. Um because literally all you have to do is just hold the button. Just throw turrets and hold the button and you can just get kills kind of like a close quarters bastion in some ways but i do think that sojourn is a little bit busted right now she's very strong and i think that she needs a little bit of tweaking to make it like i i enjoy playing her i think she's a ton of fun to play but like i can see how she can be a little bit oppressive if you put her in the right hands um and even in mediocre hands like i can still do fairly well in my mediocre dps play um junker queen i think needs a little bit of tweaking for me um i don't know if i did i mention my thoughts on junker queen last last time that she's like very similar to roadhog Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. okay yeah so i i do think in in my book i would tweak her to be to differentiate for her from roadhog a little more and just to make her feel more tanky than dps which is how I feel like she is now. And I, I get that that was the intent to make her a more aggressive tank, but she doesn't feel like a tank. I feel like the way that maybe they've fixed Doomfist to be a tank now. She still feels just like a beefier DPS player. She doesn't feel like a tank. Um, I haven't seen problems with Zen yet, but I know his kick has been changed. So let's see what they do with that. Um, but we do have actual live changes that went through with Moira and Mercy. Uh, Kevin, if you want to talk about that. Yeah, uh, there there have been a lot of bonkers changes. And <laughs> I feel like I've seen a lot more of these on online when the discussion of Overwatch 2 ever does hit my newsfeed. Um, so, yeah, these are live right now. I apologize to everybody who has to play into these patches. It is kind of weird. Um, First, uh, we'll go into the Guardian Angel changes for Mercy. Um, we're ju- we're just gonna go straight into the notes. So, um, Mercy no longer automatically is launched upwards after she reaches her destination. So no, like insta insta jump anymore. Um, the ability now has a meter that charges up a Guardian Angel is activated, so that way you know when you could activate it. And then canceling the ability would jump now launches Mercy in the direction she is facing. Uh, so you can't do like those side weird like hop jumps or anything it's just like whatever direction you're facing um it's kind of just smaller things that that they fix with like the guardian angel hop um but they they didn't want to make it too overpowered where like everybody's just utilizing it um the one that i've seen the most talk about is this moira change so um they were saying that you know moira survives a lot has good healing output um but they were saying like it it feels like warrior is not doing a lot um 
so what they did is that they tried to do something a little different and uh it's kind of busted not gonna lie so essentially the damage orb um is has been replaced now with this new thing called like necrotic orb uh i think that might have been the original name but like yeah okay so necrotic orb is the one that used to deal damage but now it's called enfeebling orb um it is a new ability that they're messing with um essentially replaces the damaging biotic orb part with a separate cooldown so essentially the the two orbs are on separate cooldowns now um it fires in a straight line, kind of moving in the same direction or style as the old orb. And in a three meter radius um, on impact of enemies or environment. So it, it explodes. It essentially like if it gets within a certain range, it explodes, right? It's like a so, poison paintball. Yeah, it's like it's like a it's like a floating ball proximity orb. OK, and when it when it explodes, it deals 40 impact damage and 10 explosion damage. So just 50 damage straight up. So if you straight up thought like, oh, OK, that's cool, right? Like, that's fine. That's not the busted part. The busted part is the last bit of this. If you like necrotic orb used to just follow you around and you'd be like, oh, wow, I just dodged. I freaking died to a random, you know, Windows Windows screensaver ball. OK, this is this is something completely different okay let's get let's get into the reason why this is the biggest topic of discussion in the overwatch community right now enemies that are affected by necrotic orbs explosion receive the weakened effect essentially it reduces all damage dealt from that target by 75 percent for four seconds That's if like 75 percent now it tickles so there was a video that I saw of this in action, and it is ridiculous. If you launched, hypothetically, if you launched a diva bomb over a wall and the necrotic orb happened to touch you before the bomb goes off, you would only be dealing 100 damage to every character that was within the radius of your bomb. Tracer could survive that. Tracer could survive that. The the most ridiculous thing that I saw was Amoira got trapped in a junk in a junk like uh, trap. Right? They throw the necrotic orb onto the junk uh, onto the junk rat. Junk rat is like unloading his pockets. Everything's coming out. The double double mines like throwing out all the all the balls possible. Right? Moira is just you know right clicking melee right click melee right they walk away unscathed and the junk rat could do nothing and it's not be it's a mix of the two i feel like they may have messed up the number a little bit 75 percent of all damage from that one character just being completely erased that is huge if you threw that on a soldier 76 in the middle of like a on a in the middle of attack visor like you would just ignore him in that entire fight. Um, but I feel like if it like 25%, I feel like is the opposite end and it's more fair. If it, if it's for four seconds, 25%, like just lowering it a little bit is okay, but don't make them. So it's like absolutely useless. Like that just takes out an entire character out of an entire fight. Um, but that's the main one is the enfeebling orb. Uh, they changed biotic orb. Essentially, it's 
Um, that is now the necrotic orb where it does the uh, the it does healing in a way. It's just a little bit slower, um, and the cooldown is increased. Um, but yeah, it it just feels it feels weird. Like necrotic orb should not be this strong, and you shouldn't allow a character to essentially negate an ultimate just by tossing a ball in the general direction. 75 is just so high. It's so much. Like I could feel I could get 50%. Like even 25 would be like if you're hitting a large group of them like fine 25 collectively takes out a lot of damage. But 75% damage for 4 seconds? That's insane. Yeah, you might as well just like leave and go get a hot pocket or something in the meantime. <laughs> like, you're not doing anything in that time. Like, you could probably fairly easily survive just like a bastion fully unloading in you if if you're taking away 75% of his damage. And you could probably kill him quickly enough so that you could like even if he's doing that damage to you, which is a lot of fast damage, like you could kill him pretty quickly and then just get your healer to top you off. Yeah, it, it it's just ridiculous overall. And I think that like I I, I know they're gonna make a quick patch about it. So yeah. um yeah, if if you can dodge playing into a Moira or like right now, do it do it. Don't play don't play into Moira. Um she's scary and uh she hurts a lot. Like Nanoblade is gonna be so ineffective now. Nanoblade is a backscratcher. There's a Genji on the other time. Yeah, it's a it's pleasant. It's now pleasant. Yeah. Last week, I promised that there would be some uh, some Overwatch coverage, um, and I did watch. I meant to watch three. I meant to watch one today, but work kept. I had to work overtime today. Unfortunately, I didn't want to. I really didn't want to, but I had to work like three hours of overtime today, which was not pleasant. Um, but looking at the matches that happened this weekend. Honestly, I found it a little bit hard to figure out what to watch just because pretty much all these matches went the way you'd expect. There was nothing shocking. Uh, the Philadelphia Fusion took 3-1 to one over the charge. The Hunters lost 1-3 to three against the Dragons. The Outlaws took 3-2 to two over the Excelsior. The Shock beat the Defiant 3-1. to one. The Rain beat the Eternal 3-0. to zero. Soul Dynasty 3-0'd the Valiant. The Hangzhou Spark 3-0'd the Hunters. Um... The Dragons 3-0'd the Charge. The Washington Justice went 3-2 over the Titans. The Outlaws beat the Uprising 3-2. The Gladiators went 3-0 over the Florida Mayhem. The Fusion beat the Dynasty 3-1. The Valiant uh, lost to the Spark 3-1. The Fuel beat the Spitfire 3-1. And the Uprising beat the NYXL 3-1. Um, so what my plan was to do is just watching all of that I was going to watch the NYXL versus the Outlaws, the Uprising versus the Outlaws, and then the Uprising versus the Excelsior. What I got to was I watched the NYXL versus the Outlaws, and I watched the Uprising versus the NYXL. Um, I didn't get to really see how the Boston Uprising performed against the Outlaws, but the Outlaws did take that. Um, But so starting with the NYXL versus the Outlaws, the first point, they were kind of even. They flipped it back and forth. It was New Queen Street. Um, both sides showed um, that they're they're here to fight. They're here to play. So there's not really much to take away from that first map. 
Um, then you get to Circuit Royale, where um, the the New York Excelsior like were having a bit of trouble with their um, their attack on point one. The Outlaws held it fairly well, but eventually were able to cap it. And then when they're on second point. Um, it seems that with the high ground that the outlaws are doing pretty well, they're doing really good holding the NYXL back until they get a little overconfident and they, they start trying to, um, they, they go down away from the point. They're down, um, down the hill on, um, on that second point of that winding part. They're trying to I, essentially spawn camp the, uh, NYXL, but they, they're not paying attention to the cart and they're too far away from the cart to do anything so they didn't kill Gangnam Jin he just kind of hid behind some stuff when they went to go do that and he managed to back cap the point with 20 seconds left um and from there on the outlaws were just not able to get a get a stop um the outlaws weren't able to complete the point on their turn so because of their cockiness and their their just lack of awareness and not finishing pushing too forward um they lost that match. Um, and I feel like that's kind of like emblematic for the rest of the outlaws play. They definitely played better when um, Dante was on the doom fist. Like when they, the next map was um, not Kings row. The next map was Oasis. Um, not Oasis. Um, then they played on Kings row. Um, outlaws didn't too well, do too well on that either. Uh, then they, they went to Oasis and then Dante came in for piggy. I Definitely think that the Outlaws play a lot better when Dante is in over Piggy. Again, I do feel that Piggy was not um, the good, the better choice to pick up for their tank, um, but they kept Piggy, and I mean Piggy does have good Sigma play, but I just they weren't performing as well. I think that they maybe could train Dante a little bit more on tank instead of just having him on the Doomfist so that they can use him. Um, a little bit more uh what's the word i'm looking for i can't think of the word use them with more variety is what i'm trying to say in a, in a different word um but i think that the outlaws what they're emblematic of their struggle is they get a little bit too cocky for their ability like yes they're a good team they're one of the better teams in the league but when they start to win, they start losing focus. Um, I definitely think that um, having Merit on the Sojourn is really good because Merit is definitely has definitely learned how to use the hero in its current in her current state. Um, as the casters Jaws and um, Necro were saying, like he's currently the probably stats wise the best uh, Sojourn in the league. But that doesn't really help if the team is not playing together and they think that they're better than they actually are like so far they've gotten to every almost every final tournament but they've never won it so i think they need to stay humble a little bit until they win essentially yeah don't don't lose focus of like what you need to get done first you know um i feel like that is the main Main thing, especially like in higher levels, like you tend to lose focus when you start winning a lot. Like it's just a matter of overcoming human nature. And like it happens all the time in sports where like, you know, you'll see a team that's up 20 and then they'll just start like losing a little bit, a little bit. And then next thing you know, they are they're down like four with a second left in the game. Um, 
just a matter of like not giving up in that time. And then, so looking at the matchup between the Uprising versus the NYXL, um, this was a three to one, but it was pretty much the Uprising all the way. I'm not going to go into too much detail on it because it's, I honestly don't think it's a match really worth watching. I just wanted to see the difference between the two teams that lost to the, uh, to the Houston Outlaws this week. Um, the NYXL, I think, definitely played better against the Outlaws than they did against the Uprising. Um, I think the problem was, well, I don't know what the problem is, but what happened was, in pretty much every single map, the Uprising were dictating the pace the entire time. Like, if if the Uprising got an early kill, the uh, the NYXL would pull a little bit too far back. Like, they they completely give up the point and just give away a lot of free push. And every single time that happened, it was just, it's to their detriment because they're giving away free time and free push that they're not going to get back. Meanwhile, when the Uprising were, were down, um, they would keep fighting. They wouldn't give up any free inches, which I still don't understand why teams do that. They'll give away so much free point percentage when like, as, as we've seen with like the outlaws games, like 20 seconds can make the difference between winning and losing like even 20 seconds of of free push. So I don't understand that. Also, another thing that was really um, negative for the NYXL is that, on top of being very aggressive, the uprising were dictating the pace with their ultimates. They'd get their ultimates a lot faster and they'd use them more aggressively and first and with better effect. Um, the NYXL seemed to kind of only remember they had ultimates when the Boston uprising used them. Like for example, there were a lot of, um, I think it was Valentine who was on the Genji for the uprising. When Valentine would pull the blade, um, it, that's when Yaki's like, Oh, I have a blade too and he'd pull it out. But then by that time is most of his team is already dead. So there's really no point in using the ultimate. You just wasted an ultimate. You could have saved for a, a better team fight when your team is all together. So I don't feel like I don't know what happened between um, the outlaws game and the uprising game, but the NYXL really didn't seem to know how to manage ults. Yeah. Sometimes it's just, a matter of like remembering what you need to do and what you need to cover. Um, once again, it does come down to discipline. And I don't know if that that's just something that, you know, the coaching staff really needs to focus on or uh, if, if, if anything, they need to like fix mentally. But honestly, I think that, you know, hopefully they don't lapse in their judgment. They'll go back to the VOD review, figure out what they need to do and then uh, make their adjustments from there. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, so I read the uh, the schedule for the tournament earlier. There isn't a, any games next week because if they're traveling, but um, yeah. So on the week of the 18th, we will get the next tournament, the midseason madness tournament. Um, and if you haven't heard the news about uh, from our news episode. Um, there's a little bit of a change coming. Well, it's a lot in a little bit, but it's a lot of a change coming to this podcast. Um, Kevin and I are still going to stay on as podcasting partners because I think we like having each other as podcasting partners. I think that's fair to say, unless you secretly despise me, Kevin. Oh my God. No, just kidding. No, we're good. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. So we're going to be continuing to cast every week, but I think the midseason madness is going to be the end of our official Overwatch coverage. Um, just with everything that's happening with Blizzard, um, Activision Blizzard, and like the way that the Overwatch League has been going so far, um, we just kind of felt that it would be better if we expanded our horizons a little bit to not just be kind of confined to the Overwatch League space. Like it was fun covering it while we we had it. Like it definitely taught me a lot about esports. I will forever be thankful for the Overwatch League for getting me into the world of esports and understanding all the nuance behind it and learning how to appreciate it. But in its current state, I don't really I honestly don't see too much of a future with the Overwatch League, especially as we said with what they're showing with making these teams pay for their um their travel there but so um around august sometime in august we we haven't set an official date yet but kevin and i are going to be transitioning this podcast or technically starting a new podcast um with the believe network it's going to be focusing more just general geeky topics so whatever kevin and i find in the week that we want to talk about that's not necessarily tied to gaming so if kevin wants to talk more about manga and anime there's more space to do that if i want to talk more about like movies and stuff or tv or or whatever that i find in the world of the internet there's more space to do that and um hopefully we can use the the wider scope of the podcast to get better um to get more guests more frequently and like have them talk on a different variety of topics like if overwatch things do come up like of course we'll talk about them um but yeah um anything you want to add on that kevin nope it's it's just uh an exciting little change that we're we're making so that we don't have to like you know we we're not 100 percent based out of just this one game and hoping that you know things turn around we have destiny in our own hands now and we can just kind of cover more topics uh that believe doesn't necessarily have a full like scope on so mm-hmm. kind of allowing you know us i wouldn't say veterans like we've, we've been doing this podcast for like two and a half years now but has uh, it only been two and a half it feels longer if it, it may be longer um actually it's almost three right like once we had we august 2019 be, right yeah. yeah we started 2019 i think i want to say or was yeah it was 2019 i'm pretty confident yeah. it was 2019 so it's been it's been it was, almost three years, Kevin. I think yeah. we started in was it September of 2019? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been almost three years. We almost made it three years with this one single podcast. And I remember like we were all when we were starting this, we were like wondering how we're gonna maintain the podcast during weeks when there's no Overwatch League, but somehow we managed to do it. But anyway, um, thank you all for listening this week. Thank you all for listening to this Overwatch podcast for the last almost three years. Um, please continue to listen to us for the next couple of weeks. We're still going to be here. We're still going to do the coverage as normal. Um, and then once we're ready and like all the things have been handled with Believe, we'll make the the switch over to the uh, the new podcast with like we'll have new podcast art. We'll I'll make a new theme song. Um, I have to do new social media, which is going to be a little bit of a, a little bit of a pain. Just, I know I have not been good at updating. I used to be better at updating our socials, but I will, I will hopefully do better, um, at that. 
I keep saying it, but I never do. And I'm, I'm sorry about it, but yeah, hopefully it'll be a, a, the same good time, maybe even a better time, but, um, anything you want to add before we log off for the week, Evan? Uh, no, just, just enjoy the games. Have fun with, uh, everything that you guys are up to, uh, keep playing games, cut into your, uh, cut into your ridiculously long backlog. I know that you guys have it. Um, and yeah, have, have fun. Uh, if you, if you guys want to check me out, I will be online on Friday. I usually stream Friday nights. So um, we're probably going to start out with a little bit of Pokemon Unite, but I might transition into other games as well. Yeah, Kevin's streaming again. Go give Kevin some support while streaming. Do it. You know you want to. Deep inside, you want to. Um, but anyway, thank you guys for tuning in for this week. Hope you have a great week. Try to stay out of the heat if it's too hot or if it's too cold. Try to find some heat. Um, don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, uh, catch you next week and adios. Next week, we update you on the Overwatch League and the world of gaming. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Send us an email at bleavinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with us, you can contact the Believe Podcast Network. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.